movies of all time podcast and today's a very special episode it is the council for the greats uh we're in in between season one and two but we have some films in limbo that need to be decided upon forever so because of that we've gathered everyone from season one we have our typical anointed ones as well as all our special guests throughout the season uh, my name is jesse as always we have gabriel hi folks JB. Hi, folks. And we also have, speaking of our special guests, from the Poltergeist episode of season one and the survivor of our spooktacular horror fest game month, uh, Lee. Hello. From our Rosemary's (laughs) Baby, also during the spooktacular month, but unfortunately not a survivor of the spooktacular games um jenny no relation (laughs) hi we have from the weekend at bernie's yeah episode one and two which i do have for the patrons at home watching on our live feed i did bust out my dvd copy of weekend at bernie's one and two for my backdrop just for this we have uh tim from athens hey (laughs) <laughs> and last but not least um, we have from the Brian show podcast who brought to us Wayne's World 1 and Wayne's World 2 Brian hello <laughs> no swing this time showing <laughs> and we did kill Wayne's World 2 it was, I was okay with that but, but uh, Wayne's World uh, got uh, put into the pantheon of greats which I was happy about it's true. Yes. It's true. Wayne's Wayne's World was a great. Um, Rosemary's Wayne's World Baby, too. Wayne's not. World, great. not. Uh, Rosemary's Baby was a great. So Jenny brought a great. Uh, Poltergeist was a great. Not to be confused with Poultry Guys. Not to be used with Poultry Guys, or any of the Poltergeist uh, sequels. Sequels, which were not good, as as Lee and I went down that road, it's and then um, unfortunately. Uh, the Bernie movies, one and two, <laughs> did not make it into the greats. I, I argue it's because of the we didn't have it the right month. It's a zombie flick. We, it should have been if it was in October, it could have been a great. We just framed it incorrectly there. You might be right. Uh, that they did not make the greats. <laughs> but we will say, and we will end this episode. This is the Council for the Greats. We are going to be talking about five films that were stuck in our limbo. Get a second consideration. But we, uh, Weekend of Bernie's two did win our kill your summertime beach party babies game as Mm -hmm. the ultimate golden diaper beach party movie. Um, Golden diaper. It's it's one of the, it's one of the classic. So Trump's wearing now. uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Zinger. Yeah. It's it's golden diaper is one of the, the classic JB, um, 
turn turn a phrase that, uh, that he okay. gets for us. I like it. Copyright. I need Good to catch stuff. up on my episodes. We 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 did put for those we did put a, a vote up for some of our listeners in in the chat, and they did pick like Golden Diaper was the one they liked best. But no, so we will end a 2020 Kill Your Babies this episode as well. So we'll do um, the ultimate seven person panel Kill Your Babies. We've gathered some 2020 films, so we'll end on that. So not only will we be deciding um, once and for all if to run down the list: First Cow, The Lighthouse. Punch Drunk Love, Panic Room, and Zodiac are one of the greats or not. Um, we'll also be crowning the ultimate 2020 baby wearing the golden diaper. <laughs> Sound fair? Are we good? Are we all up for the challenge? Up for it. All right. Do it. All right. Brian speaks for all of us, so I'm good. I'm good with that. And uh, before we do that, I think as a way to kind of see where everybody's been, it's been a little while since even the podcast crew as the greatest movies crew have, have shared some movies we watched the rest of you has been it seems like ages since we've last talked um so let's just do a quick kind of share what you've seen lately um we'll just limit it to one movie if if there's something just a quick hey i saw this recently it could be a new movie old movie um just something that's just been on your watch list let's see how about uh gabriel you want to start us off i don't know sure um I, I, in fact, this this past weekend, I I threw down the the money and and paid the full rental price uh, for Promising Young Woman. Hmm. It is, it's rough at times to watch, but I believe it is one of the sharpest and most necessary pieces of satire I've I've seen in film format in in quite some time. Um, I would say it's it's worth a watch. Um, yeah, yeah, maybe that'll because Lee and I we, we we talked about it briefly the other night to watch it and we dismissed it. So maybe we'll... we did. I don't remember this. The the who's in it? Carrie Mulligan is outstanding, um, and then a whole host of uh, you know folks you've seen in in comedies. Uh, but it is, it is, uh, name escapes me now and I should have looked this up. No, no this is on the spot. But, but, but yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, she like, it's, this it's, is the one where she kind of acts like she's drunk, gets, takes oh, the gentleman home yeah, 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 yeah. and then, yeah. Oh, and then, and I, and then I, turn, turns yeah. the table, turns, turns we the We did table. talk about that. It bothered me that, that whole concept bothered me a lot. Um, so, so it's, I would say if you go into it, understanding that it is pitch black satire, um, it's not a horror film. Yeah. And, um, and I think that's not as clearly communicated in the trailer. trailer. Yeah. I think, I think they give some things away that are unnecessary in the trailer. And then they're, they're the, the way the trailer's cut doesn't necessarily depict the film as it, it actually is. Um, but yeah, it, it's written and directed by Emerald Fennell. Um, this is her directorial debut, but she has worked um, and and written and directed a handful or at least a couple of episodes of the television series Killing Eve. Um, but it's I would say it's absolutely whether you end up liking the film or not, I think it's worth a watch. Okay. No, it's funny. That was one I remember we saw the trailer of it when mm-hmm. we saw like Bombshell in the theater. Mm-hmm. And that was like over a year ago. 
And it's, yeah, this was supposed to come out in, yeah, in like April. Films. Yeah, like all films, it's just now coming got, out. Yeah, it got pushed to a Christmas Day release. I don't know if this is a Christmas Day film, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's. I, I absolutely think it's it's worth um, the hour and fifty three okay. minutes of your time. Cool. Yeah, we all know what we were doing Christmas Day. That was WW84. <laughs> 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 the Wonder Woman. That, that um, empty, that empty <laughs> cracker. Terrible. Oh, that's terrible. The kids liked it. Yeah, they're like, that's a good movie. Like, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> All of them. Oh man, that was so good. Terrible. <laughs> I'm glad we can all unanimously agree as adults. That WW84 was not a good film. Not a great. All right, so Gabriel, let's let's do this. Um, I was thinking as you were talking. Um. I always love to like, hey, throw it to the next person to share. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Brian. Well, uh, I've been watching a lot of uh, episodic television, so the last movie that I've seen, and actually, I was, I hadn't seen it in a long time. And speaking of Christmas Day, it's not really a Christmas movie, even though there's Christmas in the title, White Christmas. I hadn't seen it since I was a kid, um, and we decided to watch it uh on christmas eve i think and um it starts out with a little bit of christmas then most of the movie is them at a at a motel and then it and then there's kind of a song and dance routine and then finally at the end there's a little there then there's white christmas so how it became a christmas movie except in name only um escapes me but it was a good one uh, i enjoyed it um i don't think it'll become a yearly watch but that was the last actual movie that i've seen i know it's been a while it's already in january but uh that was the last one i watched nice white christmas is great it's it, it is a, a a yearly watch for us yeah. yeah yeah do you agree that do you think it's a christmas movie though do you, do you think it's it's it has less christmas than you would think given the name it it does have less christmas um <laughs> But I mean, yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think it's kind of a book ended with Christmas, but there's like a lot of snow. It's obviously in the winter, at least. Maybe it's more of a right. winter movie than Christmas. Yeah, it is a nice winter movie. Yeah, um, yeah. I, the song "Snow" is 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 a terribly annoying song. <laughs> I could cut that song out, but rest of the rest of the movie is great. I'm still singing it. I'm like, I wash my hair with snow. <laughs> I I prefer uh, the 1974 film Black Christmas, directed by Bob Clark, who also directed A Christmas Story. But I, I'll I'll take that horror film that actually takes place during Christmas to White Christmas any day of the week. <laughs> nice. All right, Brian, you got those somebody. I will throw to Lee. Ooh. Okay. Well, I know I'm going to take one of Jesse's movies because we've seen Listen, we the already, same movies. We talked about this. In we already the talked Patri- about that. You're going to give me this one? Mm-hmm. I, I was okay. going to do it, but I knew you'd pick it. Oh, thanks. Um, we have watched a few movies, but um, the movie that I really liked a lot was The Sound of Metal. We watched um, and... I just... I actually wasn't even going to sit down and watch it when he started it, and I was just distracted by it and sat down and watched it and love all of it um with Riz Ahmed is that his name yeah, Riz yeah, Ahmed yeah and um I just loved the story I loved the scenery just the whole I loved everything about it 
I don't know it specifically. Was, you can help me, Jesse. No, it was so good. Uh, a metal drummer, guy in a metal band, metal punk band. Oh, yeah. Heavy metal drummer. He loses his hearing and um, just how that's dealt with with his girlfriend. and He's struggling family. with like addiction issues and like loss of identity and kind of living in this uh, deaf community and just, uh, yeah, finding his place in the world now that it all mm-hmm. changed. Mm-hmm. Um, super good, super moving. Yes. Um, like. And unexpected. Like it took turns that I didn't think it would take. And and Amazon Prime watch. Like if you have Amazon Prime, it's like. It's a definite watch. It's Yeah, yeah it's one of the best movies I've seen in a long time. Yeah, it's on my list. Um, I know it's on a lot of year-end best of lists. Yeah, Riz, Riz Ahmed is like top notch in it. Does he actually play the drums? Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it's really, really good. And who is the girl in it? Who is, who is not, she? I don't have it off the top of my head. Well, if is Sarah working for the interns? Can she check? I don't know. I'll ask her. Okay. She's, Olivia Cook. That's right. Yeah. Oh. And she's really good. She's really good. She's not in as much. She, you know, she kind of pops into the beginning and the end, um, but she's she's really really good. And the man, the man at the deaf community, he's really good. Whoever he is, it's like Reese something. He's a deaf actor. Oh, okay. Um, he's really good. Paul Racy. Paul Racy. That's it. Yeah. Paul Racy. Yeah. All right. Cool. Who's yeah, next? That's mine. Oh, um, go ahead, um, Tim. Are y'all doing separately or together? Yeah, we'll do separate. Okay. Uh, we we also had to uh, agree on on which ones we could take. <laughs> <laughs> he watches more movies than me, so I get yeah. Um, so so I uh, set this up earlier this week. I did a pandemic purchase, um, and I, I I bought a projector that was on clearance. Um, just because I don't know why not, right? Yeah. Um, so I brought home a projector. And so we set it up two nights ago. Last last night. Last night. Set it up last night to watch a movie on our wall since we can't go to the movies, and uh, and we watched one that I've been meaning to watch for quite a while. Um, David Burns' American hmm. Utopia. Yeah. Uh, performance film. Uh, I'm definitely you know a Talking Heads fan and David Burns fan. And uh, yeah, it was it was fantastic. And I think especially because like I had like you know David Byrne giant on our wall, and uh, it was a good way to watch that kind of film. I think um, Spike Lee joint, and uh, yeah, it was it was uh, it was really enjoyable. I thought the music was fantastic. I thought the choreography was amazing. It's a, it is a fantastic uh, performance film, and it's pretty impressive. I think that a uh, an individual could be you know associated with having two kind of uh, like masterpiece performance films that and stop making sense. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. So that'll be mine. Yeah. And also just, I'll take a moment of privilege. And I just want to thank y'all. As y'all know, I, I, I got to actually have one of the internships for about six months and I really appreciate it. Definitely with y'all. It set me up. Um, I'm looking at some good job opportunities. So just anybody <laughs> listening out there, and if they get the opportunity, they should uh, they should take it up to no, the internship. No, it's it's true. You, yeah, you, we definitely appreciate that, Tim. You were in the kind of early conceptual days, so that's great. Um, and yeah, season two, we're gonna have some new. We talked about it a bit. We have some new intern spots opening up. Um, did you have to work for free, Tim, or did did they actually pay you? 
no, it's. Uh, did y'all pay any? Or was I, it I, just I, for for experience and credit? No, it's yeah, it's it's pure experience. I mean, the, the experience is like Tim said, it takes you places. Yeah, it's they, gonna it's gonna open I'm doors that, I mean. Go to full sale or wherever you might want to go, but it's not gonna it's not gonna open those same doors. <laughs> I mean, Sandusky doesn't pay us. No, it's as I mean, as it stands, like we're we're essentially like well, we're, we're working we're un, off unpaid unpaid professionals. Well, we yeah. are working off this, the startup costs were so extensive that we are working it off. Like once we get it chipped away, but Patreon, yeah, the Patreon helps. So I will say that we are appreciative of that. It helps a lot, um, but it's getting us there. It, they they paid our ship fare over from the the, the old country. <laughs> pay it forward. All right, and uh, I guess I'll I'll throw it over I'll throw it over to uh, to Jesse. Yeah. Oh, nice. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. Um. All right. So, yeah, I was stuck. I can't do sound of the metal. Um. I thought about doing Possessor, but Gabriel, you mentioned that on our season finale. Um. Great film. So I will do a small, another little Amazon film that hasn't been mentioned. It's a documentary called Jasper Mall. Um, cute little quaint documentary about uh, a dying shopping mall in Alabama. I'm kind of, I think, like north of, um, I think it's north of Birmingham, somewhere in that area. But uh, just like a little slice of life documentary. It's good for like a Saturday afternoon. Uh, but. Jasper Moss, somebody who um, kind of grew up in lower Alabama slash um, the Panhandle of Florida, who lived in Georgia for many years. Um, so had the, the better half of the first half of my life in the sort of southern areas and spent a lot of time in Alabama with family. Uh, it was an interesting little documentary, but Jasper, Jasper Mall. Well, and I mean, I, I'm thinking about my experience. I would assume yours was probably pretty similar. Um, we we are of the era of the the mall, mm-hmm. like childhood, teenage years, right? It's we were mall, mall rats. Yeah, no, true. <laughs> that was that was definitely a thing. So so a fun Where little can movie. We find this. It's on it's on uh, Amazon Prime. It's a uh, mm-hmm. it's free streaming if you got the Prime, and uh, yeah, like I said, it's it's not. I mean, there's obviously some commentary there about like kind of Gabriel mentioned, like sort of the dying mall culture and kind of people moving away from the mall and doing other things, but it's, it's not heavy handed. It's just, it's almost just sort of focuses on some various store owners and, um, and their stores. I think it's very sad, but we, that's a different perspective. No, no, it's, <laughs> it's definitely, so sad. it's definitely has some sad, some <laughs> because sad Because we do come from the mall era. So it is, it is sad. Mall era. And then <laughs> even sort of small town, you know, that's, you like know, that's I, I, that's that's one of the weirder things. Like I honestly, I don't think I've set foot in a mall in mm-hmm. almost twenty years now. Yeah, oh my malls gosh. make me sad. <laughs> and like I said, and it's, and it's a different era. Like I definitely growing up in a small Panhandle, Florida town, where like the mall was the sort of the center part of the town, and and that was the case for Jasper, and uh, not so much anymore. What, what small towns are y'all living in that have malls? <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't. I lived in a town that I grew up in a town that had yeah. five thousand people. We didn't I, have a ball. Yet. That is true. The concept of small town is a little bit different. That's, a, ti- in, that's a tiny town. Right? The small town my parents lived in West Virginia. We didn't even have a restaurant. So, so to be yeah. to be yeah. fair, we got Shoney's and there was a line out the door for oh, years. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> to be fair, the town the towns I actually grew up in 
like the one that I I moved to when I was eleven. Um, no, we we got a McDonald's and everyone lost their shit. Um, no, you had to drive forty minutes to yeah. to the the nearest legitimate city that had a mall. But I mean, that's where that's what everyone did. Right? Like once you were like fifteen. You would like you if you had a 16 year old friend, you'd go to the mall with them and you would hang out in the mall that was 40 minutes away. But yeah, it's that's you're correct. I'll clarify. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely on scale. All right. Um, hey, Jenny, what was your pick? Wait well, uh, so I was trying to think about ones that. Tim hadn't watched with me <laughs> and uh, I I've been watching some of the studio Ghibli films with my daughter again and I you know so I really love those and so it's really fun introducing those to her the last one we watched uh, she really loved Kiki's delivery service mm-hmm. and then you know I'm trying to kind of like age her into them because some of them can be you know I'm not going to have her watch pr- Princess Mononoke right now but uh so the last one we watched was The Secret World of Arietti which was um Tim and I saw that in the theaters I think and uh it was really sweet it was it was it was good and I was worried that they would be too slow paced for my three-year-old but she was just like captivated by it um it's really and and I think the that's the beautiful thing about those movies is that they are like paintings on the screen you know you could just relax and watch them just kind of watch the artistry of them even if you're not paying attention to the plot and they're captivating so yeah no I, I I've I've done this with my daughters who are now seven and eight but we've slowly kind of been inching our way upward to some of the more complex uh uh yeah studio ghibli films um but yeah it's <sighs> secret world of our it, it, based on the borrowers which is a classic like children's story it's it was one of the first ones we watched um they absolutely love kiki's delivery service and then my neighbor totoro and ponyo um but no, I, I absolutely These are some of my favorite films to kind of use as bridges from like the world of Disney into the world of more complex film um, for them. And, and it, it really does. It helps bridge that gap. And, and I, I can't I gush over like I, I love all things. Yeah. Ghibli and, and Miyazaki. So and so many of them are on um, HBO Max now, so. Yeah, and they're, I think they're all on Disney. They're on Disney Plus. Plus. They're on Disney Plus, too. Disney Ira, owns the domestic. Does Ira watch those, Jesse? Say what? Does Ira watch those? No. No. <laughs> that will stop that. No. Legend of- no. <laughs> <laughs> Ira just watches Avatar cartoons. Avatar. And, um, if, if he likes Legend. Avatar, I would say. I Legend of Zora or something like and, that. And, right? and the other one, the older one, Before. he's all off into like the more like wow. extreme all... extreme anime stuff. He has this crunchy role that he watches. But it, I, yeah, I would I would I would say you could probably there there are like Castle in the Sky. Yeah. Um there the Princess Mononoke Spirited Away, those are a bit more complex and, and challenging. And if he's into that style of, of animation, 
I think there's there's a world there that can be explored and and of interest to someone around his age. No, I, I think he would. I think he'd dig it. Oh, um, Avatar. I think. Yeah, uh, yeah. We we know how you feel about the Airbender, JB. <laughs> I think JB is the last one to go. I'm throwing it to you. Caught. Thanks, Jenny. Uh, the movie I watched this week was Hail Caesar. Whimsical, Coen Brothers movie. Uh, Over the top characters. Great cinematography. Roger Deakins kills it. And uh, that's all I got to say. It's on Netflix, right? It was. Probably still is, yeah. And I have seen that one, and I I think I saw it in the theater, and I liked it too. It was it's not it's not the greatest Coen Brothers, but it's uh, it's entertaining. I could sit through it, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't know. I could sit through it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if there's a such a such a thing as like bad Coen Brothers. No, I mean, no, no. It, it's just like when I think of ones I want to rewatch, that one's not top of my list. But yeah. I would, I've only seen it once, so I'd probably watch it again. Mm-hmm. I did enjoy it. So, I, I want to throw one thing out there to everyone and actually say that if you have Hulu, um, because there is one other thing I watched this week that I, it just absolutely floored me. Um, and it is a documentary on Hulu. I'm not going to tell you anything else about it. It's just called In and of Itself. Okay. If you have Hulu, Spend 90 minutes with that and and see how you feel when you walk away from it. Um, it's it's absolutely one of the most impactful things I've I've watched in the last two or three years. I'll have to uh, watch it and and yeah and I believe I mean yeah we'll check it out because I, know I mean not- go into it with no expectation. Don't read anything about it if possible. Just it it's I produced mean- by Stephen Colbert. It's directed by Frank Oz. It is a documentary about a performance piece. In and of itself, check out. I mean, even though, I mean, we do have to say Hulu is a sponsor of the show. But even right. bes- even besides that, mm-hmm. um, we still glowing recommendation in and of itself. Yeah. It, in and of itself, in and of itself. That's right. Yeah. Nailed it. <laughs> All right. Cool. We got it. I think it's time to, to jump into this. Um, the main reason we're here. The Council for the Greats. We have five films. As a quick recap here, throughout season one, every episode, this is your first time with the Greatest Movies of All Time podcast. You've you've stumbled upon probably a a wonderful episode to to be a part of. Um, We're we're making big decisions. Throughout season one, we talked about a movie each week, and then we would vote. At the end of that discussion, we would vote myself, Gabriel, and JB, occasionally with one of the guests we have assembled here. and we decided if the movie was a great or not. If it did not get enough votes, a majority of votes for our panel for that episode, um, it was not considered a great, and it would never be considered a great. However, we do play a game at the end of every episode, and the winner of that game gets the opportunity to save a film that was not voted a great for that week, for that episode. So the five films we have assembled here um, were saved by one of us at some point. Um, because they did not receive enough votes to be considered one of the greats, but they were saved for a later discussion. We never knew what that later discussion would be um, until today, <laughs> and that's the Council for the Greats. So we're going to spend about five minutes per each film and talk about them, and then all seven of us will vote, 
And if any of these get a majority of the vote, four or more, it will be a great. If a film does not, it's out of chances. Um, it's just not a great anymore. To recap, as we did at the beginning of the episode, today we'll be talking about First Cow, The Lighthouse, Punch Drunk Love, Panic Room, Zodiac, in that order. Um, our format will be simple. The person who saved the film will introduce it. Um, and then after they introduce it, the floor is just open. Um, our introductions, we'll keep, let's keep them brief, like just a quick little, like, here's why I saved it. If you have your other kind of points and, and defense for it, um, we'll kind of just let that come out in our conversation. After five minutes, we're just going to shut it down and, and move it on from there. And uh, if I'm not mistaken... Even though those of us save different films, uh, Gabriel, I think out of all these films, you have been the only vote for great thus far. I, you're, you're not mistaken. <laughs> all right. So I guess you can guarantee all of these are sitting with one vote, unless you've changed your mind. Uh, Maybe. We'll see. And so they, they, they might just need three, uh, three of us to be swayed um, yeah. for that. Okay. For the Council of the Greats, our first film up for discussion will be first cow in this particular film um gabriel you were the lone vote for great and you were also um the one who saved this film so sure. we'll kind of skip any sort of real introduction of these films go listen to the great first cow podcast you know if you want to know what this movie's all about, like the plot of this film but um not to say we might not spoil things in our discussion of the four or five minutes, but, um, but Gabriel, you saved it. Kind of why was uh, First Cow saved? Why is, why is it here today? Uh, so th this film is here because of the skillful hand of Kelly Reichardt in directing this, what I think is an absolutely brilliant film about the story of, of like the founding of like the birth of this country and in the the myths of of rugged independence um it, it the myth of of unbridled capitalism this is a film that does something very few other films do which is talk about money and and the problems that come with that and and issues around wealth and inequality and those who are of the other trying to gain foothold or or get a part of the American dream. Um, the performances in this film are outstanding. They're subtle. They're beautiful. Um, we get some additional commentary on notions of love and gender roles and relationships. That's why I, I saved this film. This, the, the social commentary, the performances, and the skillful, just completely amazing, subtle direction of Kelly Reichardt. All right, so we'll open it up. Anybody want to say anything about First Cow? Thoughts, questions? I watched this movie just a few days ago, and um, I I think I can kind of speak for both Don't of us. Don't speak for me. Well, <laughs> that we both really liked it. That it was, that's all I was going to say. <laughs> but excuse me, I will let you speak for yourself. I mean, you all get to vote spicy. individually. Spicy. Yeah, yeah, just getting like spicy. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> this is, you know, month 10 into a pandemic marriage. <laughs> 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 um, 
I, yeah, I, I agree with Gabriel. I thought it was beautiful. The, um, it's interesting you brought up the sort of like uh, wealth inequality and, you know, commentary on capitalism. I, I did, I definitely see that in that movie. It, it's not what like stood out to me as much. Um, I, I think with what you mentioned about um, how it focuses on like a friendship and what relationships can be between men, you know, not very many films focus on male friendship in such a like touching way. And what I enjoyed about it is it completely disrupts all the normal movie tropes about like what you expect to happen. Like you expect betrayal, there's not betrayal, you know. It's, just, it's a very sweet melancholy movie that I enjoyed. Yeah, I mean, I won't, I'm gonna let other people talk, but yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you, Jenny. Like, it's, it's, it's the melancholy is there. It's a really good movie. Um, the performances are great. But, like, is this a film like, <laughs> like, what got me the other, my first time around, you know, my first discussion is like, can a great beast, a great, even, it, it's like, I mean, I don't know. I guess I'll just say it. it's just such a dust darn slow movie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it has mm-hmm. this deliberate pace. As much as I love Cookie and what, King? King Lou. King Lou. Um, I don't know. Like, you know, that, that, was, that was my tough part for me um, is the sort of pace of this film. There will yeah, be blood. One the of the greats bad. is a oh, slow-paced oh, yeah. film. You know, that's not, not, not a bad thing. So Go ahead, but Jenny. We talked about that too, though. Um, it is very slow-paced. I, I think I'm actually drawn to slow-paced movies. Like, I, I found myself watching the movie Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy like six times in the last like (laughs) couple years just because I am really drawn to that kind of drawn out pacing like very deliberate like you like just watching people work and do things that they're good at is very fascinating to me um so I I don't mind the slow pace I don't think that should disqualify it I agree a hundred percent. I guess it's around the room here. I'll, I'll just, uh, so I went into this with no expectations because I had heard about this movie, the title, and I had seen the cover and I honestly thought it was a documentary about Cal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I get it, yeah. It's, like, it's like a Kim uh, Burns movie. I it was like a documentary about, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> And so, like, the movie starts out just incredibly slow. I mean, I don't think there's even any um, dialogue for quite a few minutes into the film. And, uh, you know, the discovery of the of the bones right at the beginning and stuff. Um, it's very slow, it is. But, yeah, I thought it was uh, kind of beautiful. And because of the, the pace of it, it made you really appreciate the cinematography. Um, I also definitely appreciated the... the um, touching on like the capitalistic situation i remember one of the the, the you know the, the the line in there that was something about how they were talking about their dreams about opening up a hotel um i can't remember what king lou's dream was and they 
they said like, how do you get there? Like we can never get there. Um, we need, you know, we need to get money somehow. And cookie says we need leverage, you know, which sets up like that's, how do you do that whenever you are built into a system that, that gives you no leverage, you have to steal it sometimes, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, and possibly steal it from, a, from individuals who are not even taking full advantage of it. Um, so I, I, uh, I thought it was, yeah, definitely beautiful, definitely um, sad, but in a kind of a beautiful way. And I loved the um, assumed but open ending of the film. I thought it kind of, the beginning and end of the movie was pretty great. I, I was, um, so walking, walking into that with no expectations, I was uh, pleasantly uh, impressed watching the entire film. Cool. All right, before we move on, um, Brian, Lee, JB, any uh, first cow thoughts? It all right, so so, <laughs> so Bri home. Brian's taken in. He's gonna either. I'm just gonna. Yeah. Sounds sounds interesting. All right, I love it. I'm reading a little bit about it. I cool. saw. I I didn't see the whole thing. I saw large parts of it, and I too yeah. was drawn to the friendship between the men and kind of the intimacy in in that friendship. Um, that kind of what struck me about the movie. It was really good. I have. I too have a hard time with really slow paced movies because I'm always way too tired. So <laughs> even if I'm really into it, I tend to fall asleep and wake up like 20 minutes later and try to figure out what's going on. But um, I, I did enjoy the dialogue between the two men and their friendship as well. <clears throat> mm. I just keep craving those biscuits. That's right. Right. Those, uh, those drop biscuits, they cookie, cookie biscuits. Yeah, yeah. I will say this to end up. One thing that's also stuck with me in this movie is the. Um, I don't know if we talked about it in the podcast or not. I can't remember on the episode. Um, just like kind of how wet it feels. Like it really. Like if you've been in we, the woods and just lived in that realm. Like I don't know if that was something we discussed. But even on we, my my revisit of it for this, just that's what stuck with me even more. Like that. that well, it's Oregon, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah the yeah. Pacific Northwest. Yeah, like we we did. I I think you specifically did I bring that up mentioned again? it all, it's like still almost stuck immediately. With me. <laughs> still stuck with um, me. <laughs> but I, I know we're close to five minutes. Yeah, on yeah, this, we, yeah. We've hit so the just, thing, but yeah, yeah. I just I think considering the time, right? The the period in which this film is set, and then taking the co the commentary being made in this film. And even looking at it in a 2020 lens, particularly like going through a pandemic and understanding the haves and the have nots and, and just economic inequity. Like this is a film that I, I think is poignant in ways that aren't, they're not quite apparent on a first or second viewing. And I think the more you sit with this film and really chew it and think about it, there's there's such a rich story here that is timeless and that's i'll leave it at that yeah it's but obvious where yet, i stand yeah but also yet super super simple um story at yes. the same time all right um yeah let's move on speaking of kind of um wet damp uh, <laughs> areas and um also a film in a similar aspect ratio um not your traditional widescreen format as first cow wasn't um the next film on the list, which I saved, The Lighthouse, um, starring uh, well, Willem Dafoe, Rob, Robert Pattinson, directed by Robert Eggers. I was super excited going into this film 
Um, it was like the movie I wanted to see. And even when or the early days of the podcast, couldn't wait to see the lighthouse, even hold it off waiting to, to watch the white house, the lighthouse until we got to that episode, like getting closer to it. Cause I talked about it, kicked it around. And so when the time came around, um, it just didn't click the way I'd hope it. Maybe unlike Tim, we went in with no expectation for first cow, um, which I also, I went into first cow with pretty high expectation. I went into the lighthouse with, with high expectation. It's always the opposite of that. And I think sometimes when you go in with such high hopes, um, maybe they don't meet your expectations and maybe that's not the fault of the film, but the fault of the viewer. So that was sort of the reason why I saved it. Um, even though I voted against it as not a great, and I've always said a movie can be good and even great, but not one of the greats. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's where I stood with the lighthouse. I wanted to give it a little more time to chew on it. Like uh, Gabriel said for first cow, chew on this thing, chew on, uh, his lobster a little bit. Um, to, to quote the film. Um, and like what strikes me about this film and what I'm still sort of even now revisiting it. It's a film that just has its own unique look, its feel and um, its own style. The performances between the two are just, you know, they're off, off the chart. No question. Um, so I, where I struggle with this film, if it's a great or not, um, is just because it's doing these sort of cool artistic takes and this sort of adventurous filmmaking and really kind of pushing some boundaries in the way it's shot with the extreme contrast, does that make it a great or not? Um, or is that the thing that has wowed me, right? Um, do the other elements that make a great film, the story, um, the meaning behind it, the overall takeaway. So I, I'm, I, I'll be honest, I'm still a little, I'm still in the dark and I don't have that light of clarity yet on the lighthouse so maybe if anybody wants to share some thoughts i'll uh i'll stop yapping about the lighthouse i don't want to be the first to jump in so i want to see if there's anyone else who has thoughts or has seen the lighthouse and has thoughts i've seen the lighthouse i didn't love it um <laughs> at all we, yeah, we watched I mean, it together I didn't, I didn't dislike it, and I do appreciate the cinematography and all that, but um, I, uh, yeah, there was just, it was hard for me. It was just a little much for me, like all the drunkenness and all that. It was just kind of, uh, it just, it was too much. I, I, I got bored of their banter. Uh, I, I think That's that, my opinion. <laughs> you know, the, uh, the heart, you know, John Lighthouse is a complex character and, you know, it's kind of that film noir, uh, detective thing where, you know, he's trying to solve crimes, but he's also trying to be the light in his own house, but his daughter is trying to be, I, I didn't see it. I'm sorry. I, I know. No, I, love, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I didn't see it. Hey, guys, there's more where that came from at the Brian show, show. starring mm -hmm. Brian. I also didn't see it. And you really had me for a second. I was like, holy crap. I'm like, what film is he talking about? 
just goes away. I didn't realize. Yeah, neither one of us saw it. it. It was one I wanted to see, but then I decided I wanted more positivity in my media, and I uh, felt like that was probably not a very positive movie. So, and I think that's why it was hard for me too, because it was just like just the constant it's it, it's a tough i mean and I think, it's it's yeah it's anxiety it gives me anxiety yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. And anxiety. i i yeah. think that's the point i think it's supposed to make you right. feel yeah. anxious and claustrophobic yes, it's it, it for me it was the film it was one of the films i watched early on um during the pandemic and it was the film that made me feel seen like it was a film that made me feel like, oh wow, this is a film that understands what like quarantining and and, and isolation is. Um, it it's the performances are outstanding and the descent into like madness. Um, just the the commentary on mental illness and the impact of like gaslighting. Like when you literally just have two people and both are false narrators, like they're, they're untrusty, untrustworthy narrators. Um, it's the technical achievement alone, one of the script that was written by the Eggers brothers using vernacular and dialogue from the actual time period that the film is set in. And two, and shooting this on a film medium that was more close to what was available near this time period, while asking these two men to perform under what essentially were just like blazing like lights in order to capture things on film. It, I just, the technical achievements here, the, the performances, the commitment to and the meticulousness of the screenplay I just think this is a brilliant piece of cinema. I I think it's a it's a it is a technical achievement, and it is it's a film that I think is meant to make you feel uncomfortable and claustrophobic and paranoid, and it does that in spades. No, it does. Um, that's kind of a final thought, JB, to to Jenny's point a, a bit, and but also maybe coming from the perspective of somebody who I know really liked The Witch. Um, quite a bit is this a movie like is this a difficult point of entry type film like is this is just just hard to just get into the the seat to watch it you're asking me yeah yeah jb what do you think just a little check in no yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm staring at you on the screen can't you tell <laughs> um patreon jokes love it well um yeah. live chat sees it yeah, a comment that rings true from the time that we filmed the original podcast with Playhouse was Gabriel mentioning how this movie just sticks with him or had stuck with him. And even to this day, like, I don't have to rewatch The Lighthouse to remember a lot of that movie. And to answer your question, Jesse, about like, is it a low entry to watch? No, no, it's you got to. You gotta want it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta know you're in for a little weird cinematic flair and uh, be ready for some gritty imagery. Gritty, I think, is the word I'd like to use. Gritty works. All right, let's move on. That's We're closing the door in the lighthouse. The light has been extinguished. Um, 
going back quite a bit and ending our light metaphors, um, Punch Drunk Love. Another one Gabriel voted for. JB and I did not, but Gabriel, you saved. So we'll let you, um, yeah, quickly tell us why you saved the old Adam Sandler romp. Punch Drunk yeah, Love. Yeah. Um... <laughs> <laughs> so so punch drunk love is is like this is pt anderson's shortest film it's 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 a solid like hour and a half um which like hour and 35 minutes still i mean that's like literally half of a pt anderson film mm-hmm. all of his other films are bordering on three hours long i think the performances here are outstanding I think the chemistry between Adam Sandler and Emily Watson, I think this being the first time I, I saw Adam Sandler in a film where he wasn't just playing the same character who was an oafish buffoon, right? Uh, that stuck with me. Um, but really, this is this is ultimately a... It's a <laughs> This is a film about someone who is is psychologically broken and damaged and and in pain, and that finds salvation through love. And I, that narrative, coupled with these performances, the the delicate hand in the direction of this film, and and it being a dramedy, really, it's it's a dramatic comedy for sure. Um, I just really compared to and thinking about it in the context of Anderson's other films, this one sticks out as being most unique um, and just different. Uh, And then the last thing I would say here is the use of color and sound in this film is, is otherworldly. The score just does something to me physically. It, 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 makes me feel things just hearing these these different sounds coupled with these transitions that use the blues and reds and whites and and it's it's a theme that that stands throughout the entirety of the film the the use of color um and and in particular blues and reds and whites shifting towards hues of purple to tell this this love story and and that's that's what sticks with me about this film. It stuck with me the first time I saw it. It's it's stuck with me every time since. Um, and I just I really I really really love this film. Go for it. I'll jump in. Yeah, I can tell you what. I, I I am a I am definitely a, a big P.T. Anderson film. Uh, fan and I think Punch Drunk Love is fantastic. Mm. Uh I I have to back up uh Gabriel on these ones. Um one of the things I looked up was like yeah the uh, Jeremy Blake, the artist who did those transitions, which I thought were just like fantastic. That movie is like this perfect walks the line perfectly of being like an art film but still accessible, I think to people. And uh yeah and, and I think something that Pete Anderson's films have always been good at is like is having the characters be like real people who seem to be like have real depth. And to me, Punch Drunk Love a lot was about like, like how fragile people are. Um, and uh, 
I don't know. And, and it's, it's, it's a movie that I have, uh, I, I just think about sometimes mm. and it's, um, and I, I agree. It, it really stands out from PT Anderson's other works. Um, it's very unique. Uh, even the, uh, the cinematography and it's like a, a little bit different. The lighting is a little bit different. Um, and just like, and also like per- fantastic performances, you know, by, by Philip Seymour Hoffman. And then I think the one dis- disappointment is like, we saw what Adam Sandler can actually do. And it's so disappointing that he didn't use the last couple of decades doing that. Um, you know, um, although that Halloween movie was kind of cute. Yeah, um, I was about to say, Hubie Halloween. So it, was, it wasn't bad. Yeah, we I haven't seen the, what was it? What the thirty other Netflix films? No, 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 no the one that he's true. like critically acclaimed. Uncut gems. Uncut gems. That one was really. Good. Oh, that's a that one's good. One of the yeah, yeah. yeah, it's it's on it's on it's on our list. But uh, yeah, um, it's just a just a great film. I feel like it holds up. Um, yeah, I've watched it, it a few up. times over the decades, and I, I, to me, it really holds up. Yeah. Yeah, Tim. If I remember, I think you tweeted at um, at greatest movies when it got voted not a great. Um, I think you voiced your frustration at that voting. I did. Um, yeah, I did. I, w- I was. I was very surprised that that one did not did not make great. Yeah. Literally, if Adam Sandler somehow pulled, uh, just it was like you know what I'm just gonna do serious roles, and he somehow figured out how to book in his career with Barry Egan and Howard Ratner. I mean, no, listen, listen. Adam Sandler's like, it's like Weezer. He's gonna put out something good every once in a while, and the rest of it's just gonna be. He is like Weezer. It's gonna that be, is. It's gonna be <laughs> somewhat enjoyable, but ultimately trash. Um, well, and, I mean, and, and he'll surprise how, you every once in a while. Like how few roles does Daniel Day Lewis take, right? And he's yeah. he's he's nominated exactly. for an Oscar in almost every single one of them. Sandler Sandler plays like a handful of dramatic roles, and when he does, like even mm-hmm. Rain Over Me, he's great in Rain Over Me, yeah. right? But it's it's like he's like, no, nah, I'm just gonna go fucking make money off these. But, 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 but even in this one, he plays, I mean, he plays a fragile character. He does a really good performance, but he is, I mean, that's something that more and more stands out to me, especially since we've seen him even more dramatic since Punch Drunk. Um, he's still, it is still pretty comical and silly at times, um, mm-hmm. his sort of performance. He is, like I said, sort of this fragile, mentally imbalanced character, um, but it's there. But, but I can't agree, though. The use of sound and especially music, um, the color is great, but the use of sound and the music, I feel, is one of my favorite things. Um, how it even sometimes just overpowers the mix, um, mm-hmm. but it creates that tension and, and that anxiety. Um, Purposely, so, though, like yeah, it's, no, no, it's on purpose. On yeah. purpose. It's not it's, like it's, Tenet it's, where they didn't mix it. Yeah, right. so I was gonna say it's it's not it's it's not like Nolan films sometimes where it's like, what are these people saying? <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ, the score right. is so loud. And and some of the like speak to the love story. Some of the most memorable lines. It's like at the very end, we confronts Philip Seymour Hoffman. He just talks about like I have a power of love that is makes me stronger than you know anything. Um, as he clutches the telephone in his hand that he carried all the way from wherever he came from, <laughs> states away, I presume. Yep. Any other uh, punch drunk love comments, folks? We got some. Uh... Brian, um, the, they are asking in the chat. People, they, they have they started this little straw poll. Like, has Brian seen Punch Drunk Love? I don't know if you what, can see what's this. the over under on that. Well, right now, right now they're banking. They're banking. It's more majority are saying they haven't seen it. Yeah, they're right. <laughs> I haven't seen it. 
I had to, I had Angel. I mean, I, I'm I'm working my way through Angel, and now we're you know I'm working my way back through Friends and Shit's Creek. I mean, wh- yeah, I, I mean, don't have to listen. All this. Listen, you got to know what I mean. I we appreciate your obligation to be here because as one of the great right. counsel for the greats, you, you're obligated to be here. So, I mean, uh, the movie the movie that I was on uh, was is like 28 years old, yeah. and uh, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I'm not. Gabriel knows more about uh, and JB and you Jesse know more about movies. I've seen more movies uh, last year than I've seen in the past decade. So, uh, you know, I love it. but maybe I'll surprise you. you. Never know. We'll see. Jenny, right. do you do you have a take on Punch Drunk Love? So I have seen it. It's I haven't seen it in a very long time, but I do remember liking it a lot and it being very impactful. Um, so. It's kind of hard for me to say because I haven't seen it in so long, mm-hmm. but um, I remember, I remember liking it when I saw it. So fond memories. I, I feel like I can't add that much to yeah. this discussion. <laughs> but Lee, I think this was your first time ever seeing it, right? Yeah, I loved it. Um, I don't have as many deep things to say as Gabriel and and Tim, but mm-hmm. I loved it. It did cause me anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, but in a good way because of the the anxiety because he's trying to hold on to this love and I, so I thought it was a sweet um, but I loved the anxiety mixed with the comedy um, you know and I thought Adam Sandler was great in it and me I too am happy to see him in a role that is you know stands out rather than his normal normal role so yeah I, I loved it a lot <clears throat> all right cool um jb if you have anything to say about it if you didn't say you know in the past we'll let you and then if not or when you're done just take us through panic room because that's the next one on our list speaking of anxiety as well i guess um, um <laughs> panic room was coincidentally also a film you saved so if we end on punch drunk with you you can just then take us right into the old panic room all righty then yeah i I've spoken my piece about Punch Drunk Love. I mean, you hated it before. You probably hate it still. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> but Not a, he never hated it, folks. It was just it was just like a sheer indifference. But <laughs> moving into Panic Room, I remember this episode fondly. Gabriel put up quite a compelling argument as to why this should be considered one of the greats. And I remember Jesse and I both voting not great, mm-hmm. but his passion for this was just so powerful that I had to say, you know what, I'm going to save this movie. We'll talk about it again. Maybe my mind will change. Um, do you want me to give a little synopsis of this movie again? No, just kind of any sort of thoughts on Panic Room now, where you're at these days. Because um, I, mean, I think people get it. You're, it's Jodie Foster. She's hiding in a panic room. You know? Yeah. Jared As Wikipedia puts rolls. it, they put yeah. together the elements of video surveillance and diabetes. <laughs> yeah, they did. <laughs> One of the few groundbreaking films to do that. <laughs> um, Jared Leto's done better. Forrest Whitaker has done better. But Jodie Foster, pretty pretty dang good performance uh given the given the script mm. and uh i'll leave my thoughts there for the time being if i if i'm gonna jump in real quick because since you mentioned performances because that was my yeah. big thought 
And that was actually, we did have some questions from the patrons. And one of the questions from one, um, one of our patron submitters was that um, nowadays, are all the stars in this, all the familiar faces, is that one, are their performances up to par with kind of things they've done since? And number two, is it even distracting a bit, right? You have, you know, Kristen Stewart, um, all the ones you mentioned, Whitaker and uh, Leto and uh, what's his face, the country singer. I'm trying to think off top Dwight of my head. Yoakum. Dwight Yoakum. Um, Jodie Foster, of course. You know, somewhat, th- that was the question here. And my response to that, thinking about it, since you mentioned performances and on my kind of revisit with Panic Room, um, I think apart from what I said in the previous podcast about it being the perfect first 30 minutes of any sort of film I've seen in, in almost ever, like, I'm going to say top 30 minutes of any film. Um, my revisit, their performances, I mean, yeah, they might have done better, but I think you have a perfect cast um, and a perfect set of performances for this movie, for this movie. Um, that was my takeaway between now and the, and the previous podcast. And I said, no, patron um, Magnolia fan. Um, that's their patron name, I guess. It's not... <sighs> We literally only get questions from Magnolia Van. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> we only get. I I hesitate to you mention it again. Um, but no. But the performances this time around was something I maybe even not latched onto as much. That I was like, oh wow, this is the, the, everybody's great for this small. Because that used to be my complaint. It was so self-contained, so small. Um, and I've, I've taken a little step in a different direction now, looking at them as an ensemble cast. The other thing I would say here is, again, like Punch Drunk Love is is P.T. Anderson's like shortest film. This is, if this isn't Fincher's shortest film, it's it's close. Yeah, he could fit. I think he fit three of these inside Zodiac. Yeah, yeah, and I'm gonna make an argument for Zodiac in a minute. It's gonna have to be a good one. <laughs> I'm gonna say that. Spoiler alert. But but. No, but what I would say is I don't think Jodie Foster has – I don't think Jodie Foster's had a better performance since this film. Um, I I don't think most of Kristen Stewart's performances after this film are better. There's maybe one or two. Whoa. Yeah, that's not even a hot take, man. She did a bunch of Twilight films. They aren't good. Um, Forrest Whitaker is amazing. But it, I think Dwight Yoakam is a revelation. Mm-hmm. Like literally coming out of, of nowhere. I, again, I, I think in the initial podcast and I'm not going to look this up. Um, I think I said, I thought this was his first performance. I think yeah. in retrospect, it wasn't, but no, it was we, the yeah, first that was, film yeah. I saw him in mm-hmm. and he's fantastic. He was in uh Billy Bob Thornton's movie, right? Sling blade. Sling blade. Sling blade. Wasn't yeah. 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 I think so. Yeah. I think you're right. So I saw him in sling blade and just, Sling Blade doesn't stick with me the way Panic Room did. The tension of Panic Room, the anxiety, um, this is one of the only Fincher films that has like a female lead. Uh, the fact that it's focused on, you know, the the Meg Altman and Sarah Altman, so Jodie Foster and, and Kristen Stewart's characters, that they are the central focus. Um, it's it's just different. It feels different for Fincher. I like the visual effects in this kind of moving through the layers of the house. 
um, coming off of, of films like Fight Club, right, which had these expansive, like, you know, different settings to have this film take place in a single confined space. Uh, just, again, it, it, it is anxiety inducing the practical action effects that the, the scene, I think we, we discussed this in the original podcast, but the scene with the, the bag with the diabetic supplies and Jodie Foster having to throw them into the panic room mm -hmm. for her daughter, it's like 107 takes or some shit. Mm -hmm. Like, but they did it and did it and did it until they got it right. I just, that speaks, it, and maybe this isn't one of Fincher's great films, but it speaks to the commitment this man has to trying to do things the right way and, and to an artistic vision. And I just, this film has always stuck with me. It, huh? it, so, yeah. Anybody else? Panic Room, another kind of older film not quite 28 years old but it's older i love judy foster so i really like the panic room um but it's you know i always think even when we rewatched the trailer yesterday was it mm -hmm. why in the heck are they in such a big house <laughs> that's all <laughs> i can think of the whole time when she's running up those like four flights of stairs i'm like why would you be in such a mood? Her ex-husband was my thought. <laughs> right. Yeah, I know. Exactly. But um, I love it because when I was younger, my favorite movie was, which is a really cheesy, terrible movie, but my favorite movie was Stealing Home with Jodie Foster in it. And um, so I enjoyed The Panic Room a lot. She was great in it. <clears throat> Yeah, other. so um, it's been a while since I've seen Panic Room. I, I, I like it. I don't think it's one of Fincher's best. And I think the actually the um, it's interesting, Gabriel, that you brought up the the like uh, you know Boxton setting and also the compressed timeline because most of Fincher's films that I can think of take place over months or years they're this very like drawn out tension of you know um they're they're not really action movies as I mean they might have action scenes but this movie felt very almost more of like a typical thriller mm -hmm. than Fincher usually directs which I think in my mind anyway makes me think less of it yeah although that might not be a legitimate opinion, <laughs> but uh, so it, it, it's weird because I think of this movie, when I think of this movie, I can't think of why I don't like it as much as some of, I can't like pinpoint the specific reasons. I think there's, there are some things about it that feel gross to me <laughs> in ways that, uh, his other films don't like, like the, maybe it's something about the girl, the young girl being in at risk of sexual assault from some of these, you know, intrude, well, one in particular intruder, or I don't know, maybe it's something about that, that made just made me feel kind of icky about it, I guess. 
Um, but yeah, the impression that I have having watched it probably last maybe six or seven years ago at least um, was that it was a good movie with good performances, but not one that I necessarily want to revisit. Sure, and that again, I think that makes sense. Um, I I think I've become so accustomed to kind of the way Fincher draws things out, right? And he he uses time as a device within his films, and and he uses it as this this way of like creating texture and and developing characters over extended periods of time and for this to all take place in a single night right and and to your point about the the kind of putting this this teenage girl or, or pre-teen girl in harm's way um but having literally three villains who have very different codes of ethics and and having one that has such a strong moral compass, right? And in in the Forrest Whitaker character Burnham, right? He's here because his daughter needs health care. Mm-hmm. We we all need health care. Like it's yeah. <laughs> a real yeah. fucking thing. Um, it's still an issue. But this is a man who's solely committed to participating in this on the conditions of no one gets hurt, and that I just I need the money because my daughter needs healthcare and so that notion like these these different shades of gray and and not making any of this black and white and and having it take place in a confined amount of time in a confined space putting women at the forefront of it it just feels so unfincher in the catalog of fincher films that it it stands out to me and continues to stand out to me to this day no, yeah. it's, definitely, it it's definitely a movie you have to look at from a different angle. But Jenny, I share, especially in early on, uh, my initial, my first initial viewing was that same. I was disappointed um, by this just almost seemed like typical thriller Hollywood movie. And I was a little let down by Fincher. Um, at That's the what time. I thought it was. I, I had no idea that you guys were talking about. It was, it was the movie that came out after he did Fight Club, yeah. Which I saw in the theater with you, Jesse. Oh, that's um, right. And uh, but I always thought Panic Room was just uh, was just like I knew Jodie Foster was in it, but it was like, hey, there's this room that they all go down into, and these people are trying to get into it, and that's as much as I ever knew about it. And, yeah. And I never paid another lick of attention to it. So maybe I should revisit it. I, I, the, most, the most intrigued I've ever been by this film is never JB made a comment about diabetes. And I'm like, oh, that sounds interesting. How's diabetes playing? Does Walter Brimley show up or something? Will, Wilford. Wilford Brimley is in it. It's, 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 it's an un, it's an uncredited guest cameo, oh, but man. there's an oatmeal scene with Wilford Brimley. And now I'm on. And he, the, surprise, spoiler, he can't get his Quaker Oats. Yep. Because oh, he's in the panic the room the, there are no Quaker oatmeal Oats Oatmeal is a MacGuffin. That's what they're trying to get to. That's what they're trying to steal. <laughs> That's what this is all the oatmeal. Right. The gold, um, to, to, to round this oatmeal. thing out, to, to get to end the, the council for the great, so we can get to some voting. Um, we, get, we end on Fincher again. Um, uh, another film, Gabriel saved. Another film, Gabriel's the only one who voted great for um 
but maybe something that might appeal <laughs> to some, <laughs> some of our other tastes. Uh, we end on the um, the Zodiac. Um, it's all else. I was gonna I was gonna say something, but that might influence things. So I'll just say Zodiac. Yeah. No, I, <laughs> fuck, man. I think this is a better film than Panic Room. Okay, I think I think this one is a better. I think this is a better film than Panic Room. It might be. I I think this film is exhausting to watch. I think it is exhausting in the research and the the effort put into crafting the screenplay and actually filming this piece. It it is a film about male obsession and and failure. Um, it is visually subdued but stunning um i think this is the ultimate evolution of fincher like this this is seven made by a man who understood what he was trying to make um the performances in this are insanely terrific and this film feels like what i think he wants you to understand an actual investigation into a, a serious crime would feel like and it's it's tedious it it borders and, and devolves into obsession throughout for multiple characters um it's 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 so exhausting to watch but it it's so exhausting it, it exhausts levels of research to to develop a film this whole i think and i i think this film is is a whole film it's complete in its vision from start to finish and it's super creepy and just unsettling yeah and no it. it's um definitely is beautiful and it's subdued kind of kind of laid back way um my thing i'm still at with this movie when i initially saw this years ago and it came out i was like oh my gosh this is a this is an rv film um but then for the podcast it flipped and i said oh shit this is a this might be an otw um mm. for me so just leave it, i'll leave it at that for folks to to ponder our rvs and otws well i just have to say i completely agree with gabriel i love zodiac and it's probably, once again, just because I'm drawn to those slow burn movies, those procedural movies where you're literally just watching people do work sometimes. Like there are parts of Zodiac where you're watching people do paperwork or making phone calls or sitting in meetings. And <clears throat> there's something about taking the horror of you know, the actual Zodiac killings and, and synthesizing them into like what it was in reality for most of the people surrounding those killings, which was just tedious work, very frustrating because, you know, they never caught the person and, and obsessive. And I, I, I think that film just really brilliantly shows that and like the the J Jake Gyllenhaal character the way he like devolves into this obsession with the case 
you know, it kind of shows you this border between, you know, that the serial killer and then the person obsessed with the serial killer. And what is the difference between those two personalities? And it makes you think that maybe there's not that much difference between them, which I thought was very interesting. I'm just wondering, Gabriel said the this is the ultimate evolution of Fincher. And I'm just wondering what is like the highest evolved Fincher Pokemon? Like what that name is. <laughs> Fincher Sore? I don't know. <laughs> I haven't seen I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Uh Davey Finchy's Ard. Yeah. I don't know. No, but Jenny, you make some really good points about the film. Um you know, it's kind of being tongue in cheek and this was a film I really loved when it came out. But um, over time, th- though I like it for all the reasons you two have mentioned, it, it is a film I don't feel compelled to watch or, or to revisit much. Um, it's just my struggle. Um, but but then again, at the time, it like it made me take a deep dive into the Zodiac Killer in general. Um, I even I even watched this like those B movies that there were a number of other Zodiac films that came out around the time to jump on the this um and so i even watch those um you know so the the, the other point i and i i won't i'm gonna let it go and i'm not gonna say anything <laughs> else but the thing with this film is it it's clearly titled right and it's it's named after this the name given to the serial killer at no point does it do the thing that so many other films about serial killers do which is almost glorify or create a mysticism around the serial killer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's solely focused on the people trying to stop him and their de-evolution, like their failures in their normal life because of the obsession that, that overcomes them in trying to, to cure the ill of society. And, and so that, that's the thing that I think sets this apart from so many other serial killer films. We never once get anything from the perspective of the Zodiac himself. It's all from the perspective of the newsmen and the police who are trying to solve these crimes and figure out who this person is to take them off the streets so that one more, like one more life isn't taken. Yeah. Okay. Uh, last thoughts, Brian, uh, JB Lee, any Zodiac thoughts? I probably won't be watching it. <laughs> okay. It's, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a, it's a, it's a real commitment, Brian. I didn't stay awake during the whole thing. I, I, I looked at it. It's over two and a half hours long. You need a couple of days. It's, it's three hours and, I, and it's, it moves really, really slowly. Yeah. No, I, mean, I think but, if yeah, I would have watched it start to finish i would have probably liked it but i, mean, it I a was a little like with the figuring out the puzzles and stuff was a little like cliche to me but mm. but ciphers, i yeah i um appreciate what everyone is saying about it i probably would have liked it if i actually was away I mean, all the time i just want to say shout out to the three amateur code breakers that broke one of the ciphers not too long ago i was about ago. to say that they just had a they just mm-hmm. broke one of his codes and that's that goes back to the obsession yeah right like it's just recently yeah Mm -hmm. yeah like a couple weeks look at that topical couple months 
knows? It's all relative. All right, we're going to end our discussion on all five of these films. First Cow, Lighthouse, Punch Drunk Love, Panic Room, Zodiac. Um, we are now going to vote. Um, listeners, our live viewers, you'll see this in, the, in, in action, but the rest of you listening on this after the fact, um, we're going to pause the recording for a moment. We're going to vote. We all vote um, sort of secretly off-site, and then we will share our responses um, and our winners here. So... That's that. So we'll be back in a moment. All right, let's get moving so we can get to kill your babies. We're back from our voting, from our voting booth. Gabriel hasn't stopped singing since he voted. Um, That's, I mean, I don't know. Some love on the run. Yeah, we have um, we have the results. The interns are counting the little pieces of papers. We're all doing a little hat, checking <laughs> the hanging chats, checking the hanging chats, um, <laughs> making sure the machines are calibrated. Um, we use the Dominion machines. You know, we're in the third recount, real quick. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not challenging any of these votes. They they. <laughs> They they levy like real lawsuits on on motherfuckers, um, <laughs> and we got to hear some of our kind of private um, recordings as we voted um, as well. That was on the in the podcast. But I will say this: we have two films that will be um, considered greats. Three that have to go home, pack up their bags, and, and live with their fate. Um, one, two, three, four, five. The first film receiving five votes out of seven was Punch Drunk Love. I'll take that as a victory. (laughs) Fitting. I don't care if any, like, that one alone was the one I want. I wanted that one through. I'll take it. Give me that pudding. Can't do that anymore, Gabriel. You can, you can. Yeah, I I take it back. And on the recount, the the interns just showed me um, there was actually a third film that got in here with four votes, um, receiving the least amount of votes, but did receive four. Um, And that would be the Panic Room, or Panic Room as it's called. Panic Room is one of the greats. It's in there. Panic Room, Punch Drunk Love, and then receiving. What seems to be six out of seven votes, nearly a sweep. That would be first cow, one of the greats. Oh. Um, I would. I mean, I can. I, I like to kind of keep it anonymous. Um, I do want to pee. Huh. I didn't vote for first cow. JB's. I will give up my anonymity. Boo. Not, listen, we don't have time to talk about it. It's two podcasts now. We've about already first talked cow. about it. It's actually three podcasts we've talked about First Cow. Um, it was on Gabriel's list of the best film we saw in 2020. It was my number five film I saw in 2020. And uh, JB just didn't like it. But the rest of us love First Cow. So, um, <laughs> First Cow, you're one of the greats. Um, Punch Drunk Love, you're one of the greats. Have, have any of y'all ever uh, any of y'all ever baked a, a clafu tea? Clafu tea? Clafu tea? I've never made a clafu tea, but mm-hmm. I've been tempted since that film to make a clafu yeah, tea. I've never heard of it. I had to look it up. Yeah. Seems like like a tart kind of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm I I am i am 
I'm fine with letting Zodiac. The, the, I. I can't believe Panic Room made it and Zodiac didn't, though. Zodiac is a better film than Panic Room. And I You're... didn't vote for Panic Room. No, I voted for Panic Room. Panic Room and First Cow were my two. Panic it. Room and First Cow were my two greats. I just those, picked two. Those are the ones Jenny, I flipped. Jenny, I agree with you. I, I do think Zodiac is a better film than Panic Room. Um, I just I think I think people are sleeping on the lighthouse. I think ten years from now, people are going to look back on the lighthouse and recognize. <laughs> the brilliance of that film. Zodiac and Panic Room both received three votes. They both received Z- three. Zodiac and Lighthouse? Yep, they got three, three. votes. Mm-hmm. So I I got two people to come yeah, over. You brought two over. So that's it. That's um, to conclude our first ever Council for the Greats. Um, they're done. They're in. And to, you know, let's see if we can, we'll try to do a quick little game if you guys are up for it. Um, mm-hmm. Kill your babies. We, so Tim and I drew our, our fancy little great, not great. Oh man, I'm sorry to, no. you know what that means? Oh, those are nice. You know what that means, guys? I mean, <laughs> nice. you know, it's funny. You're getting a lot of those like cheers <laughs> from the chat. I really think you, you guys should just make gifts out of this. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you guys are just going to have to bring them back for the, uh, for season two. Season two. Mm-hmm. There you yes. go. Same. All right. Kill your babies. Um, for this one, we're doing a list of 2020 films. For the most part, we talked about on the podcast during season one um, as well. Most of these, all of these were kind of had their release in 2020. Um, one or two might have had a limited early night 2019 release, like had an early showing. But for the most part, it was mainstreamed in 2020. Um to review Kill Your Babies, we do a list of things we love, and we get rid of all of them until only one remains. To quick review from season one, we did a Kill Your Fincher Babies, and Panic Room was a survivor for that out of all of David Fincher films. We did Kill Your SNL Babies, um, which Ghostbusters was the surviving film on that one. That was uh, Brian. You were on that episode with us. And then we had Kill Your Summertime mm-hmm. Beach Party Babies, which we mentioned already with Weekend at Bernie's 2. We did the Kill Your P.T. Anderson Babies, and Magnolia was the surviving P.T. Anderson film. And now we are left with Kill Your 2020 Babies. It's a longer list because there's seven of us. I'll read it out for the listeners in alphabetical order. These are Again, these are all films that we either mentioned in the podcast or... Um, let me check some real quick. Or we. Okay, sorry. These are all films we either mentioned in the podcast um, or we're kind of a, some sort of note, notable recognition in 2020. So we have uh, Bad Education, Birds of Prey, Borat, subsequent movie film, Color Out of Space, Defy Bloods, First Cow. I'm thinking of ending things. Killionaire, Gajillionaire, my apologies, Mank, Palm Springs, Possessor, Soul. Sound of Metal, Tenet, The Assistant, The Invisible Man, The King of Staten Island, uh, The Trial of the Chicago 8. Sorry for the alphabetical order. I just had Google do it for me. The Vast of Night. Those two Tom Hanks movies. <laughs> Got the response I, I wanted. I need clarification. <laughs> okay, he did, he did, he did, um, what, News from the World. Yes. And news then, of the World. News of the World. And then Grey Boat, War Boat. What? Whatever that, that movie, Greyhound? Battleship. I think it's great. Greyhound. Count? It was an Apple movie. Yep. 
Early that, pa- are both of those movies one movie? It's just one. <laughs> it's, the, it's those two Tom Hanks movies. <laughs> Do we just so we're just voting out both of the, uh, the Hanks? <laughs> yeah, or they, they stay. Were intended to be watched back to back. They were intended yeah. to be watched back to back. You know, because my feeling is like they're Tom Hanks movies, but you know, has anybody really seen them? And then Wonder Woman, nineteen eighty four, on the list um, for that. So here's how we play Kill Your Babies. If you've never heard it before, we take turns going down the list of um, removing one movie off the list at a time until one remains. As you work, you are allowed to save one film yourself. So if you're watching it and and you want that movie to stay, you're allowed to save it. If you save it, um, you lose a turn. You have to sit out your next next time to remove a film. And um, the same person cannot kill the same baby twice. Um, somebody else can kill that movie that's been saved. Um, but if you, for example, kill Bad Education, somebody saves it, that particular person cannot kill Bad Education again. Um, as we always try to put a little stakes in it, um, if we want to kind of s- write down our kind of the film we want to make it, you know, the, the film we're kind of gunning for. Gabriel, you mentioned maybe do we pick two. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so I was thinking, like, you pick one, okay. but you also pick a dark horse. Okay. Right? I mean, because we, we it's, it's not like traditional Kill Your Babies where we brought films to the table, and mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. then there's there's strategy around, like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and kill off this person's films. So I, I, I think there's an added layer there, particularly when we're talking about a, a pretty – sizable list of films and then you know seven contestants so pick two yeah, yeah so pick you two. take a pick like a one and two yeah okay just write it down it, there's, somewhere Make there's obvious ob- there's a there's an opportunity there that there's overlap right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we'll see who you know who's the best it kind of gives you some stakes to play for um but look and, and ultimately we're getting the, the surviving 2020 baby here out of all the films Man, I had a thought before this game of what mine would be, and now I've completely, completely lost it. I feel like I know what yours might be. Maybe. Maybe not. I feel like yours is going to be the same as mine. You never know. Never. I'm trying to pick somebody else's films. So. You know what I'm going to pick. Well, that helps. That helps. <laughs> Just that same, I've seen so many of these films hey you know nope. i've seen some of them you know king of staten island that's that what's his face movie Pete davidson yeah it's his name i've seen uh, two of them on here and it's uh <laughs> it's it's what's his name the guy that produces all the movies that are not always good Okay. He's he's what the comedy he's really the comedy no he's the comedy kingmaker. Oh, ap- appeti- Judd, Judd Apeti- appetite. Judd appetite. Gajillionaire is that That's um, Miranda July. July and that um Robert no, Richard Jenkins is in it. Richard Jenkins is in it, but it's Miranda July directed, starring. Yeah. Bad Education's the HBO movie about um the corrupt uh, superintendent. Yeah. It's got Hugh Jackman and Allison Janney. Yeah, Birds of Prey is the DC film. Or The Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Exactly. Borat. 
I don't know what that one's about. Color out of space. It's a cage. It's a cage film. That's that is directed by uh, Richard Stanley, yeah, who who last directed the, the Island of Doctor Moreau and was booted off the production and didn't do anything. And it has a lot of that. lot of purple, a lot of purples in it. Defy Blood, Spike Lee. We got that first cow. Enough said. Um, I'm thinking of ending things. Uh, Mr. Kaufman's film. Charlie Kaufman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Netflix. Mank is another David Fincher, black and white. Yep. I don't think anybody's seen it on Gary this Oldman. panel. Anybody seen Mank? No. I, I've come close a couple of times. I haven't quite gotten there yet. Yeah, I've been, I, same with me. I've scrolled past it on my, the Netflix. I've not been in that mindset yet where I'm ready to commit yeah, yeah not, it's really long too, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's it again, Fincher. Yeah. He's like, I, I like that roughly two and a half to three hour mark. Yeah. Good luck. Good luck, Mank baby. Um Palm Springs, the Hulu sponsored film on the list. Um Possessor. Weird one, but if you know about it, it's uh Cronenberg's son, right? Yeah, yeah, Brandon Cronenberg directed it's an interesting premise. Yeah, it's a fun watch. Soul, you got your Pixar movie on there. You Pixar, got, uh, Sound of Metal. We've talked about Tenet. Say no more. The Assistant. Can't believe you saw the Assistant. I did see the Assistant. Um, I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Invisible Man, King of Staten Island, Trial of Chicago Seven. I think those have had some media attention. The Vast of Night, quirky little slow burn of a Amazon movie. Little little sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Those Tom Hanks films and that Wonder Woman movie. Um, you mean WWE 1984? <laughs> exactly. We uh, we got that. So let's do this for our order, um, just to make it simple and to get us rolling. Um, let's do the reverse order of our movie sharing from the beginning of the podcast, if we can roll back there. I believe. Um, oh, I always forgot. JB, you finished this off, correct? Correct. So I think it was JB, then Jenny. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And then it was, wait, when, who, who threw it to me? I've already forgotten. It was you, that Jesse. was you, Jesse. Oh, me. Okay, thanks. And Tim. Then Tim. And Tim. Right? Who's after and Tim? Me. Me. Good. I'm glad you guys are on top of this. Then Brian. Then Brian. Mm-hmm. And right. then, I, see, I see you sabotaged me yet again. <laughs> about to say, you, you threw it to me right <laughs> off the jump. You're like, go, yeah, you, you go first. You know what we're going to do? Oh, you just mute. You just muted. I think, this, we, I think, the, in, I think we, the interns did that. We're gonna we're gonna make you go. First. We're gonna make you last in the game. Sometimes it works. I see all how right. it is. So um, again, we all kind of have our dark force players, first time players for Kill Your Babies, um, or second time players. Remember, you always have. You can gun for your own picks. You can always go with your heart. Um, you know, you play with strategy or you play with integrity. Um, we've all been in different situations at different times. Um, ultimately, at the end of the day, only one film, at least for in, in our eyes, will survive 2020. Um, so, JB, um, kick us off. And I'll try my best. We might all have to be on our toes to keep track of saved babies and who can kill what because there's so many of us. So we'll see what happens. What are we taking off the list first, JB? Take off Possessor. <laughs> Easy. And again... Um, strategy. <laughs> for the rules of saving 
um, before the next person goes, if you're saving that film, remember you can just blurt out. I want to save that film. Um, but once the next person goes, um, that's off the table. All right. Jenny, what do you want to take off our list? Unless anybody's saving possessor. Um, Hmm. I'll go ahead and have the honor of taking off world war 84. <laughs> okay okay impressively bad I, I didn't think it would last long cool oh my turn um you know since we talked about it i think mank is uh, not long for this world so i'm gonna we all want to see it but we, none of us want to watch it so <laughs> that sounds about right mm-hmm. uh, jesse you, you took mine <laughs> but, but Job, I think you're onto something, Jesse. Is it my turn? It's, Mank uh, is a t- Tim, oh, no. right? Tim. Tim's turn, yes. Uh, um, all right. Um, shoot, y'all. All right. There's two Tom Hanks movies, right? I mean, <laughs> I like Tom Hanks, but come on. The guy just like thinks he gets an Oscar just because he makes a movie or something. Um, those aren't good ones. Yeah, take those off. I, I think he just, I think he just tries to be likable, and and is like- successful at doing so. I mean, I'm gonna say it does hurt to kill Tom Hanks that soon, but <laughs> I don't even know what good. these movies are, man. COVID didn't get That's why I wrote those two Tom Hanks movies. COVID did it. I'm gonna take off Soul. Ooh. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a. Yeah, I mean. Animated movie. Spicy. Wow. I don't blame you. That was right at, right at JB. Is that <laughs> one of your top five JBs? Right? Was it? I can't remember. Mm, I'm not. I can't remember. I don't think it was. No, I, I, it think, wasn't? I think mm-hmm. it might have been in my top five. It was. I thought yeah. we talked Soul somewhere. Yeah. We. I. I, I definitely mm-hmm. brought up Soul because I watched it with my daughters. That's and right. I yeah, did. I did you. enjoy it, it very much. I appreciate its non-denominational approach to the afterlife. It's dead. And <laughs> actually, in, in fact, secular <laughs> approach. Yeah, well, you know, it's apropos. See how it comes back. All right, Brian. This all rises. Um, I think even though I haven't seen it, it it just uh, looked dumb. Birds of prey. <laughs> looked dumb. Hey, yeah, hey, you know, I'm gonna go ahead well, and tell that's you. A, that's it's, like it's with uh, what's her name, the the Margot Robbie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's yeah. I, I I get what you're saying. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you it's it's not what it seems on the surface. Okay. Well, not about birds. It's it's, it's <laughs> there's nice. There's so bird. few ospreys in that film. I know. Very Seahawks. disappointing. But I I will say it's. It's better than it appears to be on the surface. But is it worth seeing, though? Yeah, it is. I, oh, I okay. think it is. All right. Hmm. It's, it's a, and it's, it's a feminist film. Mm-hmm. All right. All right, Gabriel, you're up. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead, and I'm gonna say. I'm thinking of ending things. Ooh. I'm okay with that one. It's. I know you liked it. It didn't. Quite, did like it. It didn't click with me. As I, I think that was in my top five end of year. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, back to the top. Um, do do yeah. we go back to the top or do a reverse order and snake? Do we snake it? Uh, JB, do you remember the rules? For Jesse, I think it, it just goes in order. That's a funny question. Whoever, whoever, yeah, I think it goes back to the beginning. Yeah. I, I feel like we, no, we've no, historically this, this used we don't the snake. We, we've done some things, but I think because we skip a turn, we have to stay in order. I think this one, other things we've snaked it. Okay. I think we, yeah. Let's just start from the middle. No, we're going back to the top. Um, so it's back to you, JB. Before we do, but just for our listeners, um, after the first set of kills, we're with um, Bad Education Remains, Borat, Color Out of Space, Defy Bloods, First Cow, Kajillionaire, Palm Springs, Sound of Metal, Tenant, Assistant, Invisible Man, King of Staten Island, Trial of Chicago 7, The Vast of Night. JB. All right. Let's take out... Sound of Metal. Two of us love that film. Mm-hmm. That was a mistake. You're saving it, though. Huh? You're going to save it, Lee? Yeah, you can save it. I don't know. Hang on. I'm thinking about huh? it. I say. I want to save something else. Um, I want to save something else, too. See, I think we picked the same. Listen, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use my thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna save Sound of Metal. Good job. JB cannot kill Sound of Metal. JB can't kill it. I'll make a note. And Jenny, you're up. It's okay. And uh, Jesse loses his turn this round. That's true. Dang it. Okay. I'm gonna kill. And I have no more saves. The the vast of night, just because I've never heard of it. <laughs> good choice. You know, good choice. If you're gonna That's kill cool. something, you're like never heard of you. You're down. I did look at, I did Google it and I'm like, man, this doesn't really interest me. It's a plot. So. Yeah. No, I, I don't blame you. I heard good things. I, I, I do plan to get to it at some point. It, it, I just don't know when. Yeah. Lee and I watched it. I mean, I enjoyed it. It was actually, we mentioned on the podcast, but it was lost forever due to a technical computer crash. So it was never aired. Uh, Tim, you're up. Cause I skipped my turn. Ah, okay. Um, I'm going to kill Palm Springs. I think that region of our nation gets too much attention. I'm going to save that one. I really liked oh, it. Oh, look at that. Oh. Okay. All right. Palm, um, that region of our nation? I don't know. I haven't seen any of these movies, y'all. Wait, wait, wait. I'm just curious. Wait, what, what is your justification? Palm Springs. It gets a lot of attention. If people Why? talk about Palm Springs, I, wait, how? Exactly. Why, Gabriel? Why? I Why it. is it? <laughs> Listen, Tim. Tim, if I Palm- had to skip my turn, I was thinking about killing Palm Springs. So. Palm Springs, California. Yeah, Palm Springs, California. Come on. Who cares? No. Much I think Florida gets way more attention than it deserves. Well, do you see any movies on this list with the title of Florida? No. No, because we we no. know better than to do that. No. No. We 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 stay out of that state. It's right, least- education. Lee is up. Okay, I'm gonna um, kill the Invisible Man because it looks dumb. We've watched the trailer many times thinking about watching it, and Um, we we couldn't get there. That movie is not what you think it is. Yeah, Gabriel's a a fan. Those Uh those are not the droids you think you're looking for. Okay, like it's it it's it is not the movie you think it is. It's it's still on the HBO Max. We'll we'll get around to it. We'll get um, it. So, Brian, you lose the term because you say Palm Springs. So, Gabriel, you're up. Uh, 
I'm, I'm, you know, as much as I love Tenet, bye bye, Tenet. Oh, man. I'm okay with that one. Goodbye, Tenet. It brings it back. So that's the end of that group. So now we're left with a list is getting shorter. Bad Education, Borat, Colorado Space, Defy Bloods, First Cow, Kajillionaire, Palm Springs Remains, Sound of Metal Remains, The Assistant, The King of Staten Island, The Trial of Chicago 7. JB? This is both the plus and negative of not bringing our favorite movies to the list is that we don't really care if a lot of movies. Yeah, that's true. That's why we kind of got our, our, our thing. Yeah, our, our dark horses here. This this is where I really I I thought the idea of of like the snake would be useful. Yeah. Well. I don't know. <laughs> We're not there now. We're not there. It didn't happen. JB, what you got? Um. Let's kill. Well, I can't kill sound of metal. No, you can't. Yeah. yeah, we'll do first cow. <laughs> hey, you didn't vote for it. It's true. I'm gonna say first cow. All right, good call, Jenny. Okay. <laughs> so that means it's so Jenny. That will skip your turns. So that means it's my turn. Um, you know what? I'm looking at this list. I don't want to see King of Staten Island go any further. So I'm gonna. I'm going to get rid of King of Staten Island. And that'll bring Tim, you're up. Uh, color out of space. I don't even know what that is. So That's that's a Richard Stanley directed Nick Cage sci-fi insanity romp. Yeah. All right, I feel good about it. Thanks for thanks for the <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lee, It's fun. What- I I am killing Borat. Oh, thank you. Oh, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't as good. I did see that one. Yeah, we watched it. That was the other one I saw. They were entertaining parts. <laughs> that one in Palm Springs. I do love Rudy Giuliani's, uh, yeah. Bit uh, that was, that was the best part, yeah. <laughs> okay, so, uh, Brian, you're back up. Uh, because I read that it was historically inaccurate um the trial of chicago seven okay i haven't seen it i know jb and gabriel have seen it all right oh man this is this is fun um gabriel Yeah, yeah, you're up. Yeah, yeah. My audio's gone. Oh, you're here now. We hear you. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. Come back. All right. Oh, you can't hear us. Where'd he go? <laughs> there he is. It changed my view. All right, can you hear us? I I still can't hear any fucking thing. Um, did someone say first cow? 
Yeah. Um, Jenny did. Jenny. Jenny saved it. I, I, I literally, it's just. Where'd he go? <laughs> He's gone again. We'll tell him, we can tell him in chat. We can hear you, just so <laughs> you can't hear us. JV's having fun. Or he could type it. Yeah. He could type it. Mm -hmm. I like your crown. <laughs> JB. Someone speak. We can hear you. Hello. Can you hear us? We're all talking. Oh my God. Hey. Everybody's, everybody's yelling. Everybody's yelling and screaming. He has this like mic. Maybe you're. Oh no. He if you can hear up. me. We can hear. Yeah. Yeah. We can hear you. I can't hear anything. Unplug your phones. We can hear you loud and clear. Um, I'm going to kill Gajillionaire. Right. Oh, kill Gajillionaire. We can do that. Gajillionaire is dead, so that lets us know he can hear him, but he can't still hear us. Gajillionaire is gone. But he still can't hear us, can you, Gabriel? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, tell him to unplug his headphones and just use his computer speaker, maybe. Yeah. yeah, I think that's what Tim. Oh, he said that. Yeah. Yeah. If he fixes it, we all act like we can't hear him. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys are assholes. <laughs> <laughs> that's there's your there's your outro, Jesse. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> no, I yeah I I literally I just had to unplug the microphone which has the headphones played so you saved you killed kajillionaire i did kill kajillionaire nice all right um one two three four five six that could potentially be the final round here with bad education to five bloods and, and we, we have Scout, seven people palm springs sound of metal <laughs> and the assistant left jb has an animated hat all right so uh jb <laughs> what movie are you killing killing the five bloods the Five Bloods, the Spike Lee joint that all three of us loved. Mm-hmm. It's gone. All right. Um, yeah, Jenny, you're up because you saved. You missed your last turn. I thought, didn't Tim kill Palm Springs? It was saved. Oh, it was, it was saved. It was saved, yeah. Um, I'll your yeah, you're okay. free to you're, you can kill it. Yeah, you're free. Just him can. I'm gonna save it again. Wow. All right. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Man. Okay, that means um Ginny or Tim can not kill Palm Springs. All right, so it's my turn. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jamie, it's weird ass. <laughs> <laughs> like graphics and posed beanie is killing me. So the only people left with saves are Tim, Lee, and Gabriel. Mm -hmm. um, all right. I got to get rid of This could be my last kill. Um. 
satisfying. I mean, I, I feel like what I want to kill, make a statement. Yeah, palm springs. <laughs> I'm gonna say Palm Springs. What? Oh my god! <laughs> Holy crap! Wow! I gotta watch the trailer for this movie. I don't know if I'm gonna watch it, but I gotta watch the trailer. Palm Springs is so protected. <laughs> hey guys, wow. I'm gonna. I got six percent left. I'm gonna log back in on my phone. I think we might. Do you think we make it or no? We're at the very well, end. I mean, we, let's yeah, just, try. just go till you die. Right, Whose who's turn okay. is it? It's, it's oh. Tim's turn. Okay. Like Mission Impossible, Brian. We're going to make it. We're going to make uh, it. I know. Well, I, what, 6%. Let's do it. Let's do let's it. Let's do it. Turn uh, your contrast down. I did. Ethan Hunt, this shit. Uh, bad Education. It's just a bad title. I don't know. It, I don't want to see that movie. Yeah. All right. There you go. I don't know anything. It's yeah, a, listen, listen. That was Tim. That's what I was debating: kill Palm Springs or kill Bad Education. Is what I wanted to kill, but I felt like I had to. You go, really should just fucking Springs. kill Bad Education. Nah. I all right. To, uh, all right, Lee. I'm saving. No, you, I'm you, thinking. You, oh, what? You, no, you you can only save Bad Education at this point. Oh. Yeah, I can't sorry. save anything. Okay. We can save yeah, Bad Education to kill something. No, I don't want to save. Because it's um, you have to kill you have to save them quick. You do. Uh, you know, okay, I got it. I got it. Um, and then I'm gonna get rid of. Um, you know what? I'm gonna get rid of the assistant. I'm surprised it lasts this long. I didn't think it would last this long. No, shocked. Um, we're we're down to three movies, folks, and it is um, Brian probably at four percent. Um, but he has five yeah, percent. But yeah. <laughs> First Cow, Palm Springs, or Sound of Metal? Uh, well, these are all very popular, and I think everybody likes them. Um, since I like heavy metal music, and I like drumming, uh, and I don't like deaf people. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I'm going to keep Sound of Metal and Palm Springs. I'm going to kill First Cow. Okay. I'm going to save it. Wow. Okay. That's that's the last save, right? Um. Lee still has a say. I can say. Um, so, Gabriel, you are um, you're up. We have first cow, Palm Springs, and Sound of Metal. I'm gonna kill Sound of Metal. I'm gonna save it. Oh. <laughs> so that, no more saves, huh? No more saves. Um, but and I think JB, you're out because you saved Palm Springs last. I can't turn. kill any movie, anyways. And. Yeah, those are, right. so you're gone. Jenny, you are not allowed to kill First Cow or Palm Springs. Because <laughs> they've been saved twice, is that why? No, I have her listed as she tried to kill. Yeah, she tried to kill both of those, and they've been no, saved. No, I saved She first saved First Cow. Oh, First Cow. So you can kill Palm Springs. You try to kill one. No, that, yeah, I would kill Palm Springs, but I'm yeah. going to have Sound of metal. All right, sound of metal's gone. And some Uh-oh. and somehow it ends on me. Oh jeez. I'm not allowed to kill Palm Springs. Oh my god. Because <laughs> you previously oh, tried to kill Palm Springs. Tried to. Which means so you have to, to kill, kill you have to kill first cow. I have to kill my beautiful first cow. Oh man, a real Cinderella story. <laughs> Cinderella story. 
But I had to kill he my cow. Oh man. He wrote Palm Springs and what was your other choice? I can't Defy Bloods. Yeah, my 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 dark horse was Five Bloods. My, Who my, else had it? Somebody else had to have had it because they saved I, it. Uh, JB's got it. Where were my I, I my two that I picked only because I saw them were Borat and Palm Springs. Right, so you're talking. You what was your order? Was a, huh? What was your order? Oh, um, I want uh, uh, Dark Horse, probably Borat. We'll take it. I, I didn't think we'll that was going to survive. JB and I and his animated beanie. I can't believe it, guys. <laughs> I had I had Sound of Metal and First Cow was my um my two. I mean, if I were if I were picking based on what I thought were the best films, these would not have been my choices. Listen, but I, I, listen, I understand how the game works. Yeah, no, listen, I went. <laughs> I, I thought First Cow and Sound of Metal had a chance. I put, I'm thinking of ending things in Sound of Metal. Nice. I put First Cow and I'm thinking of ending things. Oh, nice. I had a truly uh, uh, black horse uh, with WW84. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> I did. You're dark. The dark. The darkest of horses. But as, as this um, game often does, you, you end up in a corner sometimes with yours. Nobody things. puts baby in a corner. And... Palm Except Palm everybody Springs. puts baby in a corner. Palm Springs is our 2020 movie, baby. Golden Diaper. I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's the movie that was the best, but it was the movie we deserved. Listen, it's. <laughs> we can't question the system. It's how the system works. Um, we'll wrap this episode up. The first ever Council of the Greats. Thank you um, for all in um, enduring it with us and and kind of helping us stumble through this first time ever process. Um, we'll see kind of what the next council for the greats holds and maybe there'll be more films, less films, but we did some good work today. We got three films in there. Um, and we declared an, an ultimate 2020 we, movie. We cleared a slate of five films, yeah. regardless of how many we got in or out or whatever JB did with this weird, <laughs> interesting zoom filters. <laughs> and, uh, for this one, we, we don't end on a last word for this one. We'll just end on a, you know, Thank you, Gabriel. Thank you, Lee. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you, Brian. And thank you, JB. Um, you are welcome. This and, was uh, fun. Thanks for having us. It was a lot of fun. And, was a lot of fun. And Brian, we'll just end on your current battery percentage, if you don't mind. Uh, 3%. Everybody had their own reasons for picking the movies that they did. So I think they're all great in their own ways. And uh, I look forward to watching them, except uh, I have uh, decided that I need to uh, watch more movies and uh, and uh, sample all the uh, meats of the cultural stew. So... I'm not sure which one I'm going to start with, but uh, the one that seems the most interesting is Punch Drunk Love. So I'll probably start with that one. And then um, I'll probably move on to The Lighthouse. And then um, then uh, First Cow. 
And then let me see what was the other one. We got uh, uh, First Cow and, uh, oh, uh, Panic Room. And then finally, Zodiac. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what uh, John Zodiac has in store. He's a, uh, way I understand, he's a, he's a hard-bitten uh, private detective. Uh, from the 1940s, um, and uh, he's had a uh, he, he does whatever he has to do to to get his man uh, and to get the story, and uh, he is uh, troubled when a uh, femme fatale uh, enters his office and gives him the case of a lifetime. That sounds like a good story. It's a classic story, very Raymond Chandler esque. Uh, so uh, so uh, Frank Zodiac, uh, I think uh, Zodiac and Sons is going to be a a good one.